0: Welcome once again to Voice of Reason Radio. Your hosts Chris Honholz and Richard Story, joining you on Saturday, September twenty third, two thousand twenty one. Hey, I said that without messing up the date. That's 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 a first for a while. I've <laughs> been I've been having trouble trouble with that. Uh, but we're just we're grateful to be with you once again. We thank you for uh, your continued listening. I want to remind you that we are of course part of the Christian podcast community. We always encourage you each and every week go take some time and listen to the the vast uh, number of pro- programs over there you're always going to find something great we always encourage you to check out our website at slave to the king.com get signed up uh, through to through email to be subscriber to the page as new information comes out as new articles eventually get put up and uh, as new episodes come out you'll always get a reminder and uh, that's where you'll find our things like RSS feeds and you'll find our social media links for as long as they will last. I rich. I don't know if you saw this today, but Twitter has fully embraced the gaslighting motif. They now believe that they, they, they've reported on themselves to say our algorithm favors promoting conservative voices. did you know, did you realize that Twitter is now the voice of conservative of America because it, the algorithm is biased toward <laughs> toward conservatism? <laughs> Jack, get a job. I, I think they I think they left a word
1: out of that sentence. They meant
0: to say not. I think yeah. I think you're right. Uh, so they they fully embrace that. So uh, while they still exist, you'll find our social medias there, including our Twitter page. Uh, I may start paring down some of the social media accounts. There are some of them that just do not get much interaction. Uh, But for now, you'll definitely find us on there. And uh, grateful to have you with us. Grateful to spend time with you each and every week. We actually had some really nice input on last week's episode. And actually had people step up and and start making some show suggestions. One of which, I don't think y'all listen to this show. I think you sent us a form letter because yeah, that's not the type of evangelism we're into. We don't do the whole friendship thing. So <laughs> I think we'll leave that one. That, that might be a discussion for later. <laughs> it's funny. I guess, I guess there are some people that just decide if the word Christian and podcast are anywhere out there. They'll send you a letter and say hey, would you like to interview this guy? Sometimes you really don't want to hear my answer. <laughs> I think we'll just leave it alone. But we did actually, we've had some in- interaction on the recent episodes. It seems to really it kind of hit home for some of you folks and we're really appreciative of that because we want to do that. That's what we want to do is actually not a felt needs thing, but actually connect with you guys in the sense that we are talking about things that you are looking for biblical answers on. Maybe that's the best way to put it. And you all... Got back with us on these last few episodes and have really had some really positive things to say. So we're grateful for that and uh, really just keep 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 that uh, that input coming. Good, bad, indifferent, whatever. Um, I, what I what I learned today, Rich, though, is I'm never going to say anything about the Antichrist because wow, that was fun. Um, just just made an observation. Oh my, <laughs> some of you took that very. <laughs> Took that personally, I think. Uh, so we want. We'll probably stay away from the eschatology stuff. Um, we're really not an eschatology program, anyway. <laughs> but boy, I just I just mentioned that John doesn't use the word he coined in two of his own letters. In the last letter he wrote about a particular person. In that letter, it said he doesn't call him that, and yet we all do. Kind of something we should pay attention to. Oh my, Um, maybe that wasn't the right thing to say. I don't know. Anyway, actually, you guys were pretty good about it. There was actually some nice discussion, but wow. Uh, Yeah, we don't go down the eschatology road for a reason. (laughs) But grateful to have you back. Grateful to be back. Uh, By the way, I did not drop this. I didn't tell this to Rich, but next week we will have to find some sort of alternative to recording during our, our normal scheduled time. That's the week that my wife and I celebrate our 20th anniversary, and we're gonna spend some, you know, spend some time doing some things. Plus, we got a lot of family events going on, so um, we will, whether it's recording early or whether it's a rerun, we'll we'll let you know. But uh, next week probably won't be a brand new episode, um, just because of that. Sorry, Rich, I meant to tell you in pre-show we got distracted talking about superhero stuff. What a big shock! So. <laughs> <laughs> We got into all kinds of conversations. Pre-show is an entirely different scenario. You guys have no idea the rabbit trails we go down, and that's probably a good thing because we want you listening to the show and not turn, you know, not tuning us out. So, <laughs> but we're glad to be back with you guys. Going to kind of pick up a little bit off of what we were la- last week. But before I do that, my brother, how are you doing this week?
1: Well, Chris, first happy anniversary to Thank you. you and Christine. Um, bless her heart. I, I know she's needs all the prayer that she can get from all of us. <laughs> for putting up with you for double digit years, you know I had to say it. Oh, are you... brother, I'm better than.
0: <laughs> she oh, got yeah. the patience. Of, she got the patience of Job. And if we did, if 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 we all were if we were not already all saints, she would deserve sainthood. So uh, you get no argument from me. So anyway, go ahead. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, like I say each week, I'm better than I deserve, but. Obviously, I'm a lot better than I actually realized that I deserve because, according to one man on Facebook this week, (laughs) I'm a reprobate and I'm going to hell because I believe that faith in itself is a gift from God of all things. Uh. And and you can look up my Facebook feed and find the post. and, And although I'm not sure if he's still visible because. At one point, he decided this man decided he didn't want to do anything but be start name calling and not discuss scripture, so he ended up getting himself a nice little block but, <laughs> so I'm not sure if he, his, if he still shows in the feed of that or not, but yeah, because I, I, I actually dare to say that faith itself is a gift from god i'm bound for hell
0: i'm telling you man, eschatology and soteriology you want to start a fight just. <clears throat> Just post something. It doesn't matter what it is. It's going to be a fight. <laughs> oh, my word. That's just... <laughs> I...
1: that, that was the low-point highlight of Facebook and online this week. I had several rather weird <laughs> exchanges, but <laughs> that one just stuck into my mind. I, I'm... I'm I am definitely, and of all times, I could have actually correctly use the judge, not lest you be judged, but I didn't reply that way. But, oh, I've never been accused, I've never been told before that I'm going to hell because I believe that faith is a gift from God. I mean, that's a new one. That one kind of left me stunned. I, I,
0: I will tell you right now, there are some rabbit, and it's... There are rabid on both uh, sides, okay? There are rabid hyper Calvinists that how dare you even suggest that we should do anything resembling ev- evangelism. God will save who He's going to save. Um, and those people are just as nutty. Yeah, those people are just <laughs> as nutty as anybody else. But there are some absolutely rabid, and I mean rabid anti Calvinists. If you if you say anything. And, Rich, I don't know how you drew these guys out, but there was the other guy that said you were talking about ad ad hominem attacks, and this guy bursts onto the scene like the Kool-Aid man going, are you a Calvinist? And you're like, what? Oh, yeah. (laughs) You're like, what? Well, Calvinists like to bring out the fact that people use ad hominem arguments, and it's like, I, I had to jump into that one. I'll be honest with you. I have much less patience with internet arguments anymore, so mm, I, I am just as prone to tell you to take a hike or don't go jump in a lake. <laughs> and that was more or less what I told him. Uh, it's like, dude, take a walk. <laughs> yeah, it's like, if you're going to come busting in on something that had, had zip dity doo of two with with soteriology and insert yourself about about how much you hate Calvinism, I think you probably found the wrong conversation and you need to move along. (laughs) I don't know what you did this week. You were attracting them like flies, man.
1: (laughs) Well, I I, I made a, it was basically a public service announcement. I was announcing that I will not engage with those who have to resort to argumentum At basically resort Mm -hmm. to name-calling and attacking you and your personality instead of attacking what you said and and the facts involved in the discussion. I just made a generalized PSA and put that out there, and that guy popped back and and said that. Another one I I rather found it amusing said, so what? (laughs) Like, who cares what what you're going to (laughs) do? Actually, I think I liked his comment because I found it amusing.
0: Yeah. There's all kinds of weird little critters online. Yeah. It's funny because, you know, we've been been a little bit more open on Facebook, allowing people to come in, starting to realize maybe that's not such a good idea because some of you are really weird. (laughs) There's some really, really weird ones out there, and we may have to be just a little bit more selective about, letting them come on to Facebook. So not about Twitter, you come on, I can mute you, I can block you, but Facebook, you have to ask for my permission. I may not grant that anymore. <laughs> well,
1: for full disclosure, you and I use both platforms. You're more active on Twitter, I'm more active on Facebook. Yeah. And if you're listening to this, never accept a friend request on Facebook based on the fact that I'm friends with them. yes, I use Facebook for a lot of different <laughs> things, so never, ever accept someone someone's friend request just because I happen to be friends with them because more likely than not it's going to be someone mm-hmm. that I accepted a friend request for the explicit purpose of either proclaiming the gospel to them, having a the discussion with them, or perhaps we have some hobby interest in common. It does yeah. not necessarily mean it, just because I'm friends with them means that they're going to be a solid brother or sister. <laughs> but if you want some engagement <laughs> from very worldly people, you, you, you feel free to go ahead and accept that, that friend request. Because at this point, I don't even know who I am and am not actual friends with <laughs> on Facebook. There's, I think I've got close to 4,000 friends on Facebook, and I may know t- a, two
0: dozen of them <laughs> off the top of my mind. So just exercise extreme caution. Yeah. No, I, I there's I've learned and that's why some of you are still sitting in the, the friend request fee, the queue. And every once in a while I'll get bored. I'll get I wouldn't won't say bored. I'll get okay. I guess it's time to go through the list. And I start looking through those. And there are certain things that I will just if I see it, I don't care how many friends we have in common. I'm not accepting. So something like, I don't know. King James Onlyist, which becomes very, uh, very noticeable when everything is KJV, and you know there's, and then there's this kind of the flavor of everything else is her- heresy. It's like if it's that, no. Um, if everything is end times theology, no. <laughs> I'm not going there. Uh, if if I see like any kind of rabid anti Calvinism. Not not happening. Um, and this one this one might annoy some folks. Uh, but if I see your entire page is kind of like the AHA anti-abortion, like that level of involvement, it's nothing personal against you. But I do not engage with a lot of folks who are at or who are that intense level because. There are some folks that take it to an extreme, like stand outside of churches and protest churches that aren't doing what they do. But also at the same time, I'm of the mind that everybody is going to find where they need to be and how they can deal with that issue, much in the same way that I don't expect everybody to be on a street corner preaching the gospel on a box, but everybody should be doing something to evangelize. Even if you're the single mom at home raising your kids, teaching them the gospel, you're evangelizing your unsaved children. That's evangelism. I don't believe every Christian should be involved at that level I think everybody needs to have some way they're engaging that issue but if it's like that then I typically won't accept that friend request either and I got no beef with that person really don't I just I've I've had some experiences that say I'm going to let you do that on your page and I'm going to focus on where I where we are Um, I, I applaud their work believe me don't get me wrong I think they do amazing stuff but yeah, that's we're just in we're just in different areas, and I don't <laughs> I don't want to get caught up in in that tsunami that sometimes follows it. Um, so yeah, so for me, and and then it's like if you have profit next to your name, if you if you're a picture of a female person, and we have zero friends in common. Yeah, not happening. So <laughs> yeah,
1: th- those get deleted asap. Oh yes, as soon as I have a, a, one of those pop up that is a, a female's face, no friends in common or less than ten, delete, delete, yeah. delete, and and I don't know what it is, but the last couple of weeks. I bet I've deleted about two dozen
0: oh, yeah. friend requests that were along that fit into that category. They they seem to come in waves because usually they hit me on, on Twitter more often than anything. I try to go through my Twitter followers as if, if I see the numbers going up, I'll try to see because t- Twitter's kind of funny. If you're if you're an actual account and you follow me, I usually get a notification, usually. But I almost never see a notification. I don't know what, what's up with that. But yeah, if you're if you're like uh, the dude from Nigeria with that is sitting in the dirt and talking about you know needing money for the orphanage and stuff like that, yet you're taking pictures of yourself with an iPhone, uh, yeah, I, th- those friend requests get rejected too. So, uh, <laughs> so I get I'm a yeah, bit a bit more or Facebook? Both, <laughs> I've seen both. You know it, it, there seems to be a lot of people running orphanages in Nigeria. And they're all—they all have some sort of post about needing money for that orphanage or some such thing. I—before you tell me you need money for that, you sell your iPhone. <laughs> that's my—that's my first thing, because I have a real hard time believing that's really what's going on.
1: <laughs> you know, the sad thing is, um, and how I have no idea, but I ended up friends on Facebook with several brothers. From Nigeria that are solid bible believing mm-hmm. Christians, and I'm not real sure how, but through the course of whatever with accepting the way that you know it's basically sometimes just how the mood strikes me on accepting friend requests on certain individuals, but somehow I did end up friends, and they are actually mm-hmm. stuff that I've read I would uh, i tend lends me to believe that there are solid bible believing brothers and Thus explains why we actually get downloads from Nigeria.
0: Yeah. No, there's there's definitely some solid ones out there. I'm grateful for every one of them. I just, it, there's a certain flavor of a follower or a friend request you can go, yeah, you ain't legit. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. We've done our, our, our 15 minutes of banter, which we've been really good about trying to control. We really need to get on with our program tonight. So, we did say that we were going to try and continue our discussion from last week um, we had talked about you know the the title was praising God for empty shelves uh, this idea with everything that's coming our way uh, how do we how can we have joy and and praise God when there's uh, you know difficulties and trials and persecutions coming down the come down the pipe and we wanted to kind of continue that discussion a little bit more. and I know that's been kind of an ongoing set of discussions throughout this. Uh, our our episodes as of late, but I think with everything that's happening, I think you know maybe it's just me, Rich, but I look at what's going on and I think there's just so much that we are contending with more than we've ever had to consider in the past. That I think there's a lot of Christians that this is resonating with, because they're like we haven't had to live through these things yet at least in our lifetimes i mean obviously we have older generations that are still with us that can still speak to more difficult days but most of us aren't people who have lived extensively through difficult times and so we're watching the degradation of our la- our, our of our land we're watching the implosion of the economy we're watching uh, churches being attacked. W- brother, we just, we just got tagged uh, in a comment. Samuel Say up in Canada wrote that they are now telling churches, you must verify all your people are vaccinated in order to fully open. And if you don't, you cannot fully open. So, I mean, we're living through these kind of days and we're going, how do we deal with this? Because most of us, uh, you know, except for our listeners who are not from maybe... You know, first, Na- first nation, uh, Western c- culture nations, um, we're not those individuals would understand difficulties and how to live them through them easier than most of us would. If you're if you're living in third well, world brother, area, you know, you know how hard it is versus what we're dealing with. Well,
1: brother, I, I don't. I think one thing we need to remember, too, Paul constantly reminded the disciples in all the epistles to keep your focus on Christ. Mm -hmm. And that's what we hope to encourage and remind the listeners, especially with tonight's program, since it is basically the second part to last week's program, is to encourage you to keep your eyes focused on Christ. and, And hopefully we have a few practical ways that you, that you can actually apply that because I know a lot of times with things in the Bible, you know, we tell people, well, you got to have more faith or you need to pray more or you need to keep your eyes focused on Christ. But more times than not, people will ask themselves, well, how do I do that? One of our purposes in tonight's program is that we prayerfully hope that we can actually give you a few practical means to help you actually keep your eyes focused on Christ during. Not only times of plenty, but during times of lack and want and suffering and persecution and trials. I want to add this real quick, and I have not talked to you about this, but if you are a solid brother in Christ that listens to us in Nigeria, please send us an email or a text or get in touch with us somehow. I would love to have you come on the show and discuss what it's like being a Christian in your country, Mm -hmm. because I think that would help that helps Christians in America understand if you're living in Nigeria or if you're living in one of these other countries, your Christian perspective is going to be somewhat different than those in America because Paul Washer once said America the hardest country in the world to be a Christian and live in it
0: mm-hmm.
1: because we're faced and surrounded by so much temptation that a lot of countries do not have to face because they know trials and struggles. Persecution firsthand,
0: because it's a daily way of life for them, just like it was for the first century Christians in the New Testament. Amen. Amen. Uh, folks, in case you're hearing it on here, I am hearing it too. Rich is a uh, little bit broken. I er, Earlier during pre-show, poor Rich was, I would cut out on him. So, blame Charter Internet. Um, I think we might be having just a smudge of a, uh, connection issue, but we'll, we'll do our best to power through happens once in a blue moon, but most of the time we do pretty well. So we'll try to make it workable as best we can. So Rich, you sent me, I think really what was, we ought to, if we wouldn't get in trouble for it, we probably should just play these sermons. Uh. But uh, John, <laughs> John MacArthur has two sermons, and I'll put these in show notes that from back in 2004 that are on the Grace To You website, and they're called Anxiety I didn't Free- even
1: realize... Excuse me. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that just kind of shocked me because I didn't realize they were that old and, and they were from that long ago. I <laughs> thought they were
0: something recently posted, but that makes it even more interesting that... They were from 2004. Yeah, and it's still absolutely applicable to today. And as I listened to, I listened to the second one. I really needed to spend time to go back and listen to, started to listen to the first one, but the second one had more of what we were wanting to talk about. And um, But I'm going to put these both in there. But they're parts one and two, uh, coming out of Luke chapter 12, talking about, you know, how we can live without a lot of anxiety and, and how we do exactly what we were talking about, that, how, putting some legs on how to do this practically speaking. Um, now, I will say that there's a, there's a difference in when we say practically like, okay, you've given me math instructions, and the practical application of that is how I go out and build a house, right? There's a practical application. There's a physical way we employ math. But When we say practical application on spiritual principles, it's about how we orient our heart and our mind in dealing with this, because I think most of us in this... uh, Okay, I'll speak for myself. I'm not going to speak for all of y'all. But when I deal with a a stress situation or a difficult uh, period of time, the first thing I think of in terms of how do I deal with this, and, and Rich, I'll let you just speak to it on your end, but... My first thought is to go, how do I make the situation stop? That's my sense of practical application. Because I want to put an end to whatever is that's causing me that stress, that anxiety, that difficulty, that pain, that discomfort. Because I, my practical application is to make it stop. But that's not always what God calls us to. And I think MacArthur's sermon puts legs on how we apply spiritual principles in these periods of time, and we do it practically, but it's not necessarily making the problem stop. Does that make sense? Well, absolutely, brother. And
1: I confess more times than not, that is my first reaction as well, especially if it's a situation involving a family member. Um, as As most of you know, or many of you know that are our regular listeners, I'm disabled, and last year my wife developed a condition, and she's basically disabled now as well. And it's made things more difficult, needless to say, for both of us, because she has spent the past 15 years basically taking care of me. Now we're learning how to take care of each other. And it, it has brought new challenges that we never really foresaw or even thought about. but you know that's especially when it involves my wife my mm-hmm. first reaction is want to i want to fix it i want to do something i want to help her i want to do something about it um i've uh, because of circumstances and some things i've gone through in my life if it affects me directly my first response is still get me out of this but i have learned over the years that that's not necessarily all is the best reaction, there are times I actually can stop and and think and pray and ask the Lord to teach me what I need to learn through this. Help me grow where you're wanting to grow me. Help me to realize the purpose of the pain or help me realize the purpose of what I'm going through. And I try to be more kingdom-minded and heavenly-minded when it comes to trials and sufferings and different obstacles that I face in my life. And I actually was going to share this at the end of the show, but I think it would be a good point to go ahead and share it with the listeners now. This is something I learned years ago from a brother who learned it from a Master's Seminary graduate who, in turn, learned it from someone else, and I'm sure they learned it from someone else. But I've applied this over the years to my own life, and I can tell you from experience it will help you. It will help you through what you're going through or suffering or what you're facing, but it will also help keep your mind focused on the things above, like the Bible tells us to do. And it's the acronym S T O P, stop. The S stands for seek the Lord. T stands for think of things above. The O stands for be other mindedness other mindedness. I guess that's how you say that. <laughs> and P stands for Perseverance meaning that instead of focusing on ourselves and focusing on the situation, we focus on the Lord. We focus on things above. We focus on other people, how we can reach out and help brothers and sisters that are suffering, maybe in ways to similar things that we're going through, in perseverance, meaning that we endure, endure through that trial. We endure through that suffering in the name of Christ, giving Him glory and doing it with thanksgiving for what he has provided for us, and at times giving him thanksgiving for the trial itself because either we're being disciplined because he loves us or we're being put through a trial to sanctify us. Or, you know, there's also the possibility that we're suffering because of a sin in our own life. Either way, the answer is the same. We go to the Lord in prayer and ask for clarity and ask for direction and discernment when it comes to facing what we're struggling with instead of trying to escape from it, turn around, look at it head on, dive
0: into it in prayer, and examine
1: it from the inside out, if that makes sense.
0: No, absolutely. I, I think that's one of the things is that when we are dealing with difficulty, when we're dealing with trials and tribulations, our focus is almost exclusively on that painful issue, and that's understandable. We're going through something very, very difficult. You know, MacArthur in his in the fir- uh, in the first sermon actually says he understands why people are anxious. He understands why they worry and why they have panic attacks. So it's easy to understand why we tend to focus on the issue itself. But as you say, regardless of what the ultimate re- reason is God is allowing that, our first step is to go to him rather to, than to seek what is the, the issue, look at the issue that we're dealing with. And in that, uh, in that part two of Anxiety-Free Living, MacArthur actually names five uh, principles in dealing with this that I think were really helpful, and that go right along with what you're saying with the seek the Lord, think of things above, other-mindedness, and perseverance. And his sermon hits these almost point for point, what you were describing. And the first one is he says that to, to, we need to recognize is that worry is to fail is a failure to understand God's priority. And uh, And I took, one of the nice things about Grace to You is if you want to, you can listen to the sermon and read the sermon at the same time because they have a written copy of it. Made it easier to find the quotes that I wanted to be able to share with you. But he says, if you belong to God and you are in his kingdom, he has a plan and purpose for your life. By the way, this is not the God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life type of purpose. He says, that's the reason you live. As long as God has a plan for your life, he will feed you and clothe you until the plan is complete. He goes on to say, we were made for his glory. We were made to serve his glory, to serve his purpose, to honor him, to bring attention to him, to proclaim the gospel to live out Christ and the power of the Spirit in the world. So one of the first things is that when we start to worry and focus on the trial itself, is we forget that God does have a plan and a purpose. And as I said, it's not the, God has this wonderful plan for your life, Joel Osteen-esque, where everything is going to be roses and it's all, every, all you have to do is name and proclaim and God will give. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about that we were created with a plan and a purpose in mind. He redeemed us. I almost said redempted us. That's bad grammar. Uh, He redeemed us for his specific purposes. So if God has redeemed you, if he has sent his son to die for you, if he has indwelt you with his Holy Spirit, there's a plan and a purpose in your life that he is working out. So he's not going to take you out of this life. He's not going to... Make it impossible for you to complete his service and he's not going to stop you from being here until that service is complete so the first thing we do is recognize God has God has a priority what we're going through is part and parcel with what he is shaping us to do does that make sense rich oh absolutely brother um and I, <laughs> funny thing is
1: I took notes and Chris took notes. And we ended up with almost identical notes (laughs) on the same sermon. So obviously the same portions of the sermon jumped out at both of us. Um, I'll let you take this first half, and I've got more to say towards the end of it. So just keep going for now, brother, and I'll let you know when I'm going to hop in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And then the second one he said is that worry is a failure to understand God's provision. So God provides for us. Everything we have comes from God, and you may have very, very little. You may have a great much, or a great, uh, pl- uh, a great amount of plenty. You may be somewhere in the middle, but everything we have comes from Him, and it might be that He's provided it in in what was just flat out given. It might have come because He's equipped you to work in a certain field and that it was through those talents that he's and abilities that he's giving you the work and, and the job that has provided. But in the end, he's making provision for you. And and the context of all this is of course, you know, you know, uh, you know, we're not to worry about what should we eat? What should we drink? What shall we wear? And we've talked about this on the program before, but MacArthur takes it further than uh, what we would have thought to, to, previously discussed, it's your, when you're starting to worry we, about what's going to happen, what are we dealing with, you're forgetting that God has pro, is your source of provision. I think, Rich, we tend to look at it from the perspective of, okay, take the, uh, we talked about last week, the the whole supply chain issue, and it, it's in the news now, it's really becoming more and more of a topic of discussion. The, the ports in California that stuff's not getting offloaded, stuff's not getting moved out as fast as it should be. Ships are stacked up for what might be months. So we tend to think of it as that's how we're provided for. And now that's not happening the way we think it should be happening. So we are not going to be provided for. Yet God in his sovereignty is providing for you. He has a priority in your life. He has a purpose in your redemption, in your continued existence in this world. He is allowing these things to happen to you as part of that priority and plan. And he's going to provide for you for the time that you are here. So it might not be the provision we're wanting or expecting. It might be less. It might be leaner. It might be more difficult to get. But he's still providing for. So as he says, if God has a a priority for your life, then he'll make the provision to make sure that priority is met. So that's one of the other practical ways is that, again, we're thinking I don't have what I need here, or this is not uh, going the way I think it should, or there's persecution coming our way. How are we going to handle this? Remember, God has a purpose in it, and he's going to provide what you need to go through it. It may be difficult, okay. it may be painful, but you're, he's going to provide for you to go through it. Go ahead. Okay, one problem. Hmm.
1: As, as, as humans in the flesh, we hear that, we, and we listen to what you just said, maybe we listen to this sermon or read the, the transcript of this sermon. Our first thought is material, mm-hmm. foods, but God provides not only will provide us food and clothing, But more importantly, it goes back to the passage about seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be provided to you. The priority is not material belongings or food or shelter or clothing. The priority is the spirit walk in the spirit, the spiritual things, the kingdom of God, the holiness of God, the sovereignty of God all the attributes of God and what God has done and achieved through his son, Jesus Christ. That's the first and top priority. Everything else is secondary, regardless of whether you may only have a loaf of bread and a jar of peanut butter to last you a week. And that's all you have to eat. Mm -hmm. Be thankful that you actually have that in our society today, within the American evangelical machine of America. You know, we think, that, you know, we, we've, we're we've supposed to be living the great American ge- American dream, you know, prosperity and wealth and material goods and a big house and a big car and everything under the sun. We want to eat and have it now. And and the moment we want it, we should be able to get it. That's a lie.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: As Christians, our priority should first and foremost always be the things in the kingdom of God, the things of God, as Christ himself that priority that He will provide is spiritual means. Of course, He will feed us and clothe us and provide us in that way, just like with His divine grace upon the world, that blessing is, is poured to all men and women on the world in di- different and varying degrees. But as a child of God, eating, having something to eat and what you're going to wear and what where you're going to live that should be a secondary issue your primary focus your
0: priority focus is on the things of Christ. Mhm. Amen. And I think that's you know in what MacArthur is pointing out here is, is is exactly that. Eyes are fixed on Christ. Our eyes are fixed on the things of God first and when we do that we begin to see his priority, his provision, etc. And I absolutely agree with you because that goes back to what we were saying at the beginning of this uh, of this topic. We tend to and it's easy to do. It's we're, we're not trying to denigrate anybody who does this because I do it all the time. I guarantee you we record these shows and then I go to work at the beginning of the week and I forget everything I just said. So I'm telling you right now we know we know how easy it is. Um so we if our focus is on the issue that's causing us problems, whether it's the, as you said, Rich, the physical provision or it's persecution or it's a, a, a family illness, whatever it might be, a loss of a job, those terrible things that happen, if if our focus is there solely, we're, we're, we're entirely focused on the wrong thing. But if we seek... Seek first the things of God, and we seek Him and His provision and His righteousness and all of these things, then we begin to recognize that the issue is something God is working out for a particular purpose and He is providing for us through it. And that's what MacArthur, I think, through the course of this sermon, really does a wonderful job doing. Just Breaking it down and reminding us, we're not to focus on what do I need, what it, how do I have this resolved, but rather focusing on the things of God first, and then recognizing God does all these things that we feel we need through it. And that's that's that is where it is. It runs so counter to our normal thinking. It runs counter to our psychology of the day. It runs counter to uh, the 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 uh, self help and, and um, philosophies of the day. It it go, go, goes counter to all of that because we focus on this issue. We got to solve this issue. In fact, that's one of the biggest problems with the social justice movement. It's about solving this issue rather than seek first the things of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. No, no, no. Solve this issue. No, no, no. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You know, then these things will be added to you. Guess what? They might not be added to you the way you want them, but God will add it to add them to you. But it's not because you're focused on this issue, whether it's social justice or some other issue, it's because you're focused on God and serving his kingdom and God is through the process, is addressing that. Um, Now, the other thing is that uh, MacArthur points out, his third point, is he says, worry is a failure to understand God's privilege. It's God is his, um, we are, let me, how did he, he put this? He said that we cannot add to the years of our life that God has determined for us. You can't do it. So in other words, we are privileged in that God has made us. We are separate from the animals and other creations of this earth. And he has determined the boundaries of our life, our birth and our death. So when we worry, and we worry what's going to happen to us, there's nothing we can do to add even a single moment to our life. He says, "If you so if you can't do it, if you can't add a single unit to your life, if you can't even do that very little thing by all your worry and fear, then what are you doing worrying about, uh, uh, doing worrying and being anxious about all these matters like your body and your clothing and your food? So God has, you know, we are the, His creation. We have, He's established the, the entirety of our life. We can do nothing through worry through fear or anxiety to impact how long that will be here. Now, might you die because you add worry and stress and strain to your life? Yes, but when you die, that's the day you die. That God, You didn't die sooner than God intended for you. So it it does nothing to change anything. It doesn't change one aspect of your life. So if you can't even affect that then as he says, we're doing nothing to contribute to our life by worrying and fearing and being anxious about the various issues that we are facing. We can't do anything to even add or take away from a moment of our life. We're not the determiners of that. That's God. So worry does nothing other than take our eyes off of Christ and make things more difficult for us to serve and honor him. Um, that's his privilege. He, he's the one that has the privilege of determining the boundaries. He's the one that has the, uh, the privilege of determining what will happen to us. We operate within that. We make choices within that, and we can impact our lives within that sphere, but we can't add or take away from it, and we can't change it. So, in this in that respect when we are not seeking first the things of like the kingdom of God all we're doing when we worry and have anxiety over issues is take our eyes off the one who's who's in control of it all um the fourth thing he mentions is it's a theory to understand divine preference he says we are Christians and you can look at uh, the world God's of, of God's creation and you will see a massive gap between everything he created and Man, he created his image, we bear the divine preference. So going back to that, we are this privileged creation, so to speak, and we bear his mark. You are created in his image and his likeness. He he's got a plan for you. He's you know, he's determined the the, the length of your life, he's going to provide for you because. You are marked by him as his creation. And when we are in Christ, we are uniquely His because we are in Christ. We are His family. So to, Rich, when we stop and look at the difficulties and and the the, the, the the strain and the anxiety overwhelm us, we forget that we are we bear the very image of God upon us. We are created in His likeness. And if we're created in that, then all those other t- uh, points that, you know, MacArthur is getting at, God is not going to forget them. He's not going to, oh my goodness, I forgot, you know, you're not, you're not a dog. I didn't really think about, you know, but I, I guess I should have paid more attention. He's not doing that. He has a very specific point in doing these things, knowing that we bear his image and likeness. And I think that's, that's easy to forget. Would you agree?
1: Absolutely, um, and I know you're going to cover the fifth point here in just a moment, and we'll start wrapping things up. But also, I, I can't encourage our listeners to go and especially listen to part mm-hmm. two of this sermon because throughout the course of this part two sermon by John MacArthur, things are worded so much better mm-hmm. than what we could what we could do in our. And between Chris and I. And that's one reason we've pulled to this one particular sermon so much because it is so much wisdom and so much depth and so much scripture wrapped into it. And, and John MacArthur unpacks it and explains and goes into deeper context on these principles that we need to be reminded of constantly. And I don't, and I'll be honest, I don't remember if it was in the first or the second sermon that he address the fact that fear and anxiety as Christians under the promises of God also reflects our lack of trust in Christ. And that's something we need to remember sometimes, too, that, you know, he didn't call the disciples faithless. He said, those those of you mm-hmm. of little faith. So we, we need to remember that. And sadly, this is a truth among most well, I'm not, I won't say most, but it's the truth among many professing Christians is they truly don't know the Christ that they proclaim to be saved through because they don't read their Bible, mm-hmm. they don't study their Bible, and they don't pray. And you cannot trust a Savior that you really don't know. Mm-hmm. And that's another key point from this is that how can you put your trust in Christ? How can you put your trust and the author of life, when you don't even know who that Savior actually is, because you don't read, study, or pray. How can you have faith that will sustain you through the crashing waves and storms, just like the apostles when they were in the boat and the storm that night, and they saw Jesus coming across the water, and Peter got out of the boat, and Jesus told him to come to him, and he started towards Jesus, and he began to sink because he took his eyes off of Christ and began looking back at the storm. That is a perfect reflection of this entire conversation. We have to keep our eyes on Christ because in this world and all the storms raging around us, if we take our eyes off and we take our focus off of Christ, we will let those storms consume us. Mm -hmm. But the more trust, the more faith, the more we know the Lord of Lords, and the Savior of each and every Christian on this earth, past, present, or future, the more we can trust Him and
0: cling to Him during those times of storms. Amen. Amen. And I, I think that's a really important point. I was having a discussion with somebody I know on just that issue, is that it's we have to be in prayer on these issues. We have to be in the Word on these issues. <clears throat> it, I, I think for me, when I encounter difficulty, when I encounter a trial, what is what is my prayer? Lord, take this from me. And it's not a bad prayer. It's not bad to say, Lord, take this from me. But that might not be his intent. That might not be his plan and his purpose. If I'm not constant, not only in prayer, but constant in the word and recognizing what it is god is calling us to like when we did the episode on first peter talking about even in the midst of trial tribulation and persecution what what was peter calling the these various churches to living in obedience living in righteousness he wasn't you know we recognize that when he's talking to him about this persecution has happened and is happening Is he saying, you know, you need to pray that God would take this away? No, he's saying you need to live in such a way that as this is going on, the world sees you in obedience to the very God they're persecuting you for worshiping. It's not that you don't pray for the thing to go away, but you may have to recognize that the difficulty is what God is charging you and bringing you into So that you are being conformed to his image and being submissive to him and being trained in righteousness, even in the worst of times. And you can only know that if you're in the word, as you were saying, Rich. You can't know how to live according to the will of God if you don't know the very word of God. And then that impacts your prayer life. You begin to start praying things like, Lord, in this trial... Change me. Lord, make me be submissive. Make me to be obedient. Make me more like Christ. Lord, this is the hard part. Thank you for this trial. That has got to be the most difficult prayer we could possibly pray, uh, uh, Rich. But if we are seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then we recognize that. The difficulty, we recognize the pain, we recognize the lack of provision, you know, lack of provision that we may be accustomed to. We recognize all of that, but we are consumed with submitting to God. And then, as MacArthur says in this sermon, he is providing all those things anyway. And now what we're concerned with is not the what the the lack of or the thing that I need or the the difficulty, but rather, I'm serving Christ, and then we find that we are covered in all those things. Um, In his fifth principle, and that was kind of one of the last ones he wrapped up with, is he said that worry is a failure to understand God's paternity. He says in this sermon, God has a priority for us. He will make provision to see that priority fulfilled He is the one who has the privilege to determine how long we live. He prefers us because He is our Father. It all works together. He is our Father. That is, that we as the church are the only ones who can uniquely say, He is our Father. You know, and He knows, you know, uh, it was verse 30 where it, you know, in this passage that he's, he's exegeting from, he says, your father's know, knows you need, that you need these things. So he's not without knowledge. He's not without the recognition. He's not failing to observe. He knows what you need and MacArthur goes on to say, He acts as the Father, acts, and as a and a father is a provider and a protector, and your father knows what you need. All that you need is available to you from God. So if we are seeking first the kingdom of God, if our fixation and our eyes are focused on him, recognizing he is our father, he is our provider, our protector, he we recognize. He has access to everything. He has all knowledge about what we need. And therefore, there's nothing He will deny us that He desires to give us. So, we become, we, if we recognize and look at it in that way, recognizing this is our loving Father, and we are serving Him, and there's nothing that He cannot give us if it is His will to do, then we don't have to worry about what we have or don't have, what we're enduring or not being able to, uh, to uh, accomplish, because he will provide all that we need because he is our father. So that's that's a really important uh, point that if we want to be free from these fears, we don't, as uh, as. MacArthur says, don't focus on those things. Don't focus on food. Don't focus on the body. Don't focus on drink. Don't focus on health. Don't focus on those things. Focus on this, the kingdom of God and you, and you seek his kingdom. And believe me, these things will be added to you. Rich, that's a very different perspective of the name it and claim it folks. The name it and claim it folks say, God must give to you what you desire. Yet, as MacArthur is saying, you know, biblically spe- it has a very biblical perspective. No, you don't worry about what your desires are. You don't worry about you, what you don't have. Rather, you seek God and God will provide that, which you need. Does that make sense?
1: Absolutely. And sadly, even above, even among, maybe even biblical professing Christians, but I'm, I'm speaking of, of American evangelicalism as a whole you know they they look at passages like take up your cross and follow me or take up your cross and follow Christ sadly more times than not the response is well okay as long as it's maybe the size of a toothpick and i'm not inconvenienced any sadly that applies to more of american evangelicalism than it does than it not you know what i'm saying yeah. i think a lot of times that you know the the majority of professing American evangelicals fall more under the prosperity gospel than they do the biblical gospel, yes. but that's just kind of a short analogy I made. But one other thing, closing out, that Arthur pointed out in this sermon, we have to remember there's, this, there's two types of people in this world, saved and unsaved. And as Christians, we should be reflecting Christ not the world, when it comes to fear and anxiety, because um, I'm going to quote a little bit from this particular sermon, and I may paraphrase this a little bit, but towards the close, John MacArthur said, the unbelieving world has no promises from God, no commitments from God, no pledges from God, no guarantees from God for anything. So according to verse 30, eating and drinking, clothing, all these things the nation of the world strongly pursues. That describes life among the unregenerate. It's a battle for bread. It's a battle for survival. It's a dog-eat-dog world. The world lives to acquire material things. They're all about survival. Why? They're dead to God. They're dead to spiritual life. So being spiritually dead, all there is is the physical world. As Christians, we're not put on this earth just to survive. We're put on this earth and saved in Christ, through Christ, by Christ, for Christ, to glorify Christ, not to just wander through this world, surviving from one day to the next. That was me. That was not in this sermon. <laughs> but John MacArthur went on to say, not being children of God. Well, I, I made that distinction because in case I it, I didn't want John MacArthur to get the blame <laughs> for something I said incorrectly. But um, he went on to say, not being children of God, having a father— Not being children of God, having a father, the devil, who provides no good thing ever. They are therefore left to themselves only to sort of reap what little they can from the common grace of God. Being ignorant of God, ignorant of God's provision, and being unable to lay any claim on God's promise or God's power, they live to survive. Those people in spiritual darkness without the life of God may create religion and they may create a God that they hope will help them, but the deities that they create are only a reflection of evil men and demons. That's why the gods of the world are wicked, devious, selfish, violent, untrustworthy, indifferent, capricious, evil, and merciless. But that's, and closing out... Um, that's what we have to remember that in the last portion that John MacArthur was describing survival in the world versus thriving in Christ, Mm -hmm. thriving in Christ means being able to look to Christ during these times, claim to Christ, pray to Christ and study and be in communion with Christ in prayer, Bible reading and Bible study and honoring Christ, through our actions, our attitude, and our words while we're going through those trials. So like you said, people will look at us and say, how can you be so calm, have so much peace, exhibit such joy while you're going through this, this, or this? Mm-hmm. And we need to remember, this is, this is incredibly important. And I'm not sure that I can do justice to this, but I'll, I will try my best. There's a huge difference between happiness and joy. And if you ask most people, they cannot tell you the difference between happiness and joy. But the biggest way that I could, I know to, to describe it, happiness is an emotion just like anything else. Joy is a state of mind. It means a people's soul regardless of the situation because your faith, trust, and hope rest in the world untrue savior, mm-hmm. whereas the world is seeking happiness through material wealth, through material things, through a full belly or a warm house. Whereas the Christian experiences joy resting in Christ, striving for the eternal kingdom, knowing that their eternal destination has been secured so they can go along this path of life walking in christ walking in god's word incomplete peace and joy regardless of what's going on
0: around them Uh did that make any sense no absolutely makes total sense brother you know you did a fantastic job And, and and i think that's what we need to remember so much if we are not as christians if we are not solely focused like a laser beam on Christ and and on God on the Holy Spirit on his word I think we are prone to to look at the world and it's its issues its provisions it's good times it's bad times as as you said for the person who's not in Christ that's all there is you know that's that's the only thing you really have to live for that's what the atheist lives for the atheist is is the here and now. There's nothing about this world that's of any value, or beyond this world that's of any value, excuse me. And so, in this instance, what we need to recognize is that there's something of far surpassing worth, and that's Christ. And so the only way we're free from that anxiety, that fear, um, that sense of hopelessness, is recognizing that we serve a God who is in control of all of it and who has called us and redeemed us for His purposes according to His design because He has called us to be His children and has all of this intended for a specific end and He will provide all that we need through it and will carry us through whatever we endure and by the way this was written you know uh, you know the scriptures are written by those who endured the worst of persecutions beaten per, uh, put uh, you know martyred you know put in chains put in prisons chased out of towns And and beaten and left for dead, and yet these all saw Christ as being of surpassing worth. Paul himself said, "All that he had in this world he counted as dung." You know, the leftover field muffins of a if cattle. Okay, that's how he saw the things of this world. When we recognize. The surpassing worth of Christ. When we seek Him, we seek His kingdom and His righteousness, and put those things high above all else. It puts into perspective what we're going through now, and allows us to say it is not pleasant. This is hard. This is difficult. And so that's where you, your your point about happiness versus joy. I think there's a lot of happy, slappy churches out there who say, "Paste a smile on your face and never admit anything's going wrong," because God wants you to be happy. That's not what He's called us to. We, you know, He has called us to joy in Him, not because we can slap a, a, a fake smile on our face and pretend all is well as we're, you know, getting that health diagnosis that could be ta- that illness that could take us a week or a month or 6 months or a year from now but rather we can rejoice in that we recognize God has counted us worthy for this trial and he's going to use it for his purposes and he's going to provide for us in those during that time and we even if we are robbed of life in the, in this world we spend eternity with him and so that's to, to your point, Rich, about how can, you know, the, the world looks at us and goes, how can you obey this God that's allowing you to go through this? How can you be at peace as you are beaten and chased town to town? How can you be not concerned about potentially losing your job or this, this issue within your family? How can, you, how can you get through this? How can you survive this? And yet there's something that fo- your focus is elsewhere. How can that be? And that's where it's because we are seeking first the kingdom of God. And I think that's, I hope that clarifies what we mean by putting this in practical terms. Because I think practical terms, Rich, we want to say, Okay, tell me what to do when I get up in the morning. Tell me what to say. Tell me what prayer to pray. Tell me what six steps to make sure my children don't talk back to me today. And how? What eight steps can I can I you know not want to go to work and you know throw my stapler at the boss because he's driving me crazy? I I, I think we th- when we think practical terms we think that way. But I think MacArthur's sermon here and 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 what we've tried to help clarifying this is that the practical steps are not that kind of thing but rather the focus of our heart and our mind is would you say that's probably the best way to explain that
1: I think so brother um and i would refer back to the about midway in this conversation when we talked about the acronym stop i think all of that points back to focusing on the kingdom and focusing on our brothers and sisters in christ and not focusing on ourselves. Sadly, more times than not, pain, suffering, trials, tribulation, whatever label you want to use it, use or put on it, causes us to be selfish, meaning that we look at ourselves and we think, why am I going through this? I don't deserve this. I shouldn't have to deal with this. Why is this happening? Instead of asking the Lord to open our hearts for understanding, granted, those questions may be You know, legitimate questions, but more times than not, we focus on ourselves. We let ourselves become more absorbed with the situation versus Christ. I know from my own personal experience, looking back in my life, there were things and times of situations that happened where, um, because of the job field I was in, layoffs were fairly common because the corporation wanted to downsize our department or the type of job i did was usually the first to get laid off well there was a year to where i got laid off twice i got laid off once from one company found a, another job went to work for a second company and before the end of the year they had major layoffs and it was a real time of struggle and difficulty and at that point in time i was not a christian so i was just trying to survive and and get my family through from one day to the next but looking back now as a Christian. And I can look back at that time during our life. And the Lord was using that to guide and direct me to the situation that I ended up in where he eventually saved me. The Lord was doing those things and working those things into my life, preparing my heart to be ready to receive the gift of salvation when the Lord was ready to give it to me Mm -hmm. because of other trials and sufferings that I went through. My point is, We can't see the big picture. We don't know what God has intent for us a year from now, if he wants us to still be alive a year from now. But whatever's going on, it's for our betterment if we are truly saved in Christ, because he's growing us. And to grow in holiness and to grow in sanctification, I don't know about anyone else's experience, but I know from my own experience, Growing in holiness and sanctification has never come about from everything going right in my life. Mm -hmm. Growth for me has always come out of times of difficulty. Would you say that was true for yourself?
0: Absolutely. I, I think when we go through times of life is pretty smooth, we don't really... Let me say this without trying to be, like I'm sounding, trying to be insulting... We don't stretch ourselves. We don't try to reach for more because we're comfortable where we are. When the world is shaken up and now we have to move and grow and stretch because we're trying to deal with this situation, that puts all those things to work. And so for the Christian life, if God has kind of got things going on an even keel, we just kind of keep moving forward and we're doing okay and life is good When he pulls that rug out from under us, it forces us to our knees. It forces us into the word. It forces us to reach out. So, yeah, I agree.
1: Well, I want to close with a couple of thoughts and maybe challenge our listeners to think a little bit. You and I both have seen countless pastors, both solid and not solid, talk about wanting to see a revival in the United States. One see people come back to the Word of God. Well, guess what? We may be on the verge of witnessing a revival because of what God is allowing to take place in America today. Because in a country like America, as immoral as it has become, so wrapped in sexual immorality and so many other things, in order for a true revival to take place, there's going to have to be a true upheaval prior to that true revival people today seem to think that they can schedule a revival at their local church for, you know, the second week of November and that, you know, they're going to invite and get some people to come and some people are maybe make a profession of faith. No, true revival, in my experience, and based on writings by, you know, old dead guys, true revival comes about after true times of turmoil and tribulation. So those that have actually prayed for a true revival in America you may be blessed to see an actual revival take place sometime in the near future. But as we close out, I want to leave this particular show with one final thought for our listeners and a reminder, just focus on this and remember hope is our guide. Faith is our compass. Joy is our path and eternal glory is our destination. Please try and remember regardless of whatever else is going on, Focus on the destination instead of trying to be distracted by what's going on in the woods or the storm as we go along the path. And whatever you do this week, make it a point to proclaim the way of salvation at least once a day.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, folks, hopefully, hopefully this has given you maybe just a little bit more legs to what we talked about last week. We we certainly hope it does. Uh, Listening to MacArthur's sermon for myself... Um, you know, there was part of me that was like, okay, how do I talk about this and putting legs on this? And as I listened to what MacArthur said for myself, it was, it was almost kind of like eye opening. That's the part I'm missing. How do I put legs on this? Well, it's not get up and do X, Y, Z steps. It was not reading so many passages of the Bible, uh, per day or praying for so many hours or whatever it is. Um, it was the Godward orientation of my life? Am I doing that? And I can tell you, there are issues in my life right now where I I, I struggle greatly. Um, And it is that constant thing that God is calling me back to. Am I willing to submit my life to Him no matter what the the issues are? Whether it's going the way I want it or or it's not going the way I want it. So, hopefully this fills that out. And I really, really recommend go listen to both of these sermons we will put them in the show notes i think it will help you with that godword orientation that's what we really really need to be doing right now especially as the world seems to be coming unraveled at the seams i mean we are watching a world day by day even when it's absolutely clear this is this is all foolishness this is you guys are i mean we just had a man who dresses as a woman be prom- quote promoted to the first four female four-star admiral and it's a I guess an honorary title of sorts but we're trying to say it's the f- first female in this particular position in the US government it's not it's a dude in a dress and we look at this and we go how can this be happening the world is falling apart at the seams and there's so much that I think it's, it's right and good to address these issues, to call it out, to preach from the Word of God and say, what you're doing is a sin, you need to repent, and we must do it. We have to do it. But it has to come from a God-word orientation. And it must be that whatever else goes on, no matter how much the world tears itself apart and how much we're caught up in its wake, that we are seeking first the kingdom of God. And I think if we as Christians do that and then start thinking about how do we work these other issues out from a biblical perspective, then I think that is where we're going to find the joy, we're going to find the peace, we're going to find the strength to continue to move forward in a period of time where we are just watching everything fall apart. So hopefully we have done that for you this week. Well, let's just say hopefully we summarized what John MacArthur <laughs> did for you this week in this. Um, but I, I, I couldn't think of a better way. When Rich sent these to me, I couldn't think of a better way to actually address that than to point you to his resource. So hopefully that will accomplish that. So thank you for being with us. Uh, we will figure out something for this upcoming week. Um, to, to Rich's point, yes. My wife is a saint for having put up with me for 20 years, and I cannot be more blessed to have someone who has supported me through all of this and who has been so kind and so loving and so supportive uh, in many things. So if you could do anything this week, say a prayer for my wife, Christine. Um, Say a prayer that God would continue to grow her, to uh, bless her, and just show immense kindness to her for having given her this husband that she that she lives with. Um, i I do not I cannot begin to describe how much I am blessed in that. So if you would say a prayer for her this week, that would be an amazing gift. Um, so grateful. So thank you for your time. Thank you for being with us. Uh, as Rich said, whatever you do uh, this week, make sure to share the gospel with somebody. Get gospel tracks, please. Um, hey, uh, there's a lot of debate about Halloween, but if you got gospel tracks and you got kids in your neighborhood, get candy, get gospel tracks, put them in a bag, and, and guess what? You get to have people coming to your door to get the gospel. Hey, something to think about, right? So uh, that's coming up. Get the gospel into somebody's hands and whatever you do this week, do it for the glory of God. God bless you guys. Good night. We'll see you next time.